welcome to Swarthmore Presbyterian Church's podcast. This is your host, Alex Evangelista. We are delighted you are here, and don't forget to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. You are now listening to a sermon recorded for January 2nd, 2022, titled Chosen Family by Reverend Sarah Cooper Seawright. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Just exactly a week ago today, I checked in on the news ever so briefly after a bit of holiday respite and with the rest of the world, learned of the death of Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Remembering his life, his commitment to ending the sin of apartheid in his home country of South Africa, his understanding of the complex and compelling place for forgiveness and honesty that made him the obvious choice to lead their Truth and Reconciliation Commission his persistence in proclaiming the gospel as a critical voice into political and social realities far beyond this one, his humility, the joy of his spirit that bubbled up regularly in laughter and dance. Just a day after celebrations of God's incarnation among us, I felt deeply the loss of this one who lived a life of incarnation that unarguably bent the moral arc of history more firmly towards justice. Finally, setting down my phone, my digital newspaper, I went to a book that we have on our shelves at home, one that I have read here on these steps before during time with our children. The book begins, as many of our best conversations do, with a series of questions. Dear child of God, what do you dream about in your loveliest of dreams? Do you dream about flying high or about rainbows reaching across the sky? Do you dream about being free to do what your heart desires or about being treated like a full person? no matter how young you might be. The book, God's Dream, is co-authored by Archbishop Desmond Tutu and Douglas Carleton, oh, excuse me, Douglas Carleton Adam. Through simple verse aided with vivid images drawn by illustrator Luen Pham, the writers imagine the dreams, the hopes that God has for us. So, of course, trying to explain a children's book takes about as many words as it does to actually read it. And frankly, it's boring. So reading it is much better. So in the spirit of the newness of a new year, I invite you now to do as we invite our children to in our godly play, to find a warm blanket if you have one nearby, although it's a warm day, so maybe a cup of coffee, which would be my preference. 
and listen in to the story as it continues. Do you know what God dreams about? If you close your eyes and look with your heart, I am sure, dear children, that you will find out. God dreams about people sharing. God dreams about people caring. God dreams that we reach out and hold one another's hands and play one another's games and laugh with one another's hearts. But God does not force us to be friends or to love one another. Dear child of God, it does happen that we get angry and hurt one another. Soon we start to feel sad and so very alone. Sometimes we cry and God cries with us. But when we say we're sorry and forgive one another, we wipe away our tears and God's tears too. Each of us carries a piece of God's heart within us. And when we love one another, the pieces of God's heart are made whole. God dreams that every one of us will see that we are all brothers and sisters, siblings. Yes, even you and me. Even if we have different parents or live in different far away lands. Even if we speak different languages or have different ways of talking to God. Even if we have different eyes and different skin. Even if you are taller and I am smaller. Even if your nose is little and mine is large. Dear child of God, do you know how to make God's dream come true? It is really quite easy. As easy as sharing, loving, caring. As easy as holding, playing, laughing. As easy as knowing we are family because we are all God's children. Will you help God's dream come true? Let me tell you a secret. God smiles like a rainbow when you do. Beginning and end. Like the form itself, a rainbow arches across and encompasses these dreams of God in the book. Each page is as colorful as one. And the final statement is illustrated with one bow made of many individual hands. A promise kept, a covenant of relationship, these are what rainbow signals to us, children of God. From Noah's time, this refraction of light across the once stormy sky is a promise of God to humanity, to all of creation that God desires for us to have life and to have it abundantly. So near to the beginning of time, this promise of God is one that holds firm. Through faithfulness and faithlessness, through enslavement, exodus, and desert wandering, nation building, occupation, and diaspora, with Abraham, Isaac, Ishmael, and David, with Sarah, Hagar, Deborah, and Ruth, shepherds, kings, and prophets as voices along the way, and 
as we rejoiced just over a week ago and continue to celebrate on this, the ninth day of Christmas, God went one further on that very relational promise. For the word who was companion to God from the beginning, who helped to arch that bow across the sky, seeing the distance was at some point too much, the word became flesh and came to live among us. It is in the incarnation that we see clearly into God's dreams, full of grace and truth, revealed to all the world first as an infant reliant upon the very humanity he came to save. Of course, John's gospel does not write of these enfleshed moments of infancy, those that others hint towards. There are no questionable smells around the manger bed, no arduous journey to fulfill the demands of the state, no shepherds, no angels, not even a story of the questionable choices of youth. And on this Sunday, when we mark the Feast of Epiphany, alas, no star, no magi. Rather here, John reaches all the way back to the beginning and in sweeping poetic tones binds all of this. The dawn of creation, the rainbow, the wilderness, the land, the people, the struggle, the hope, the promise, all of this into one fulfilled promise that none other than God could make manifest. It is almost as if the question in John's mind to begin the conversation with his community is something akin to this. Dear children of God, what do you dream about in your loveliest of dreams? It is God's presence and the fullness of grace therein, right here, right now, this is our dream. The persistence of God's act of revelation in Jesus Christ, the flesh of God with us across time and space, across continent and culture, language and experience, is for any who hope to believe in it, the greatest hope we hold, the most courageous claim we make. That God came not for one people with one way of being or understanding, not because we willed it or made it happen, but instead provoking in us a better vision for what we could be, what we will be. This, this is something that bears reminding in us, for we can so easily lose sight of it. I wonder sometimes if words like dream and hope are hard to speak, because by the time we become adults, our dreams are often narrowed. Our capacity for imagining is bound in what we assume we know, based on experiences we've had or heard of. Frankly, it feels a little perilous to hope. Childlike, maybe, to dream. And so we hesitate, prepared to be disappointed, Realistic about the world we inhabit, both the joy and the sorrow of it, unconvinced that much tips the balance. Indeed, in these past two weeks, we are back again where we surely did not want to be. 
I miss your faces as I stand up here, your warm greetings at the door. I missed the glow of candlelight that would fill the sanctuary on Christmas Eve as the lights fade and the strains of silent night sing out. You are like me, no doubt, checking emails and preparing for every contingency as we look ahead to this first and second and third week back from winter break. We have canceled eagerly anticipated plans, said no to long-awaited visits, become familiar with the couch on New Year's Eve, found that even after diligently following every precaution, the test still came back positive. And in pandemic, the epidemic of violence soldiers on, with the highest number of murders on record in the year we just closed out, 550 in our neighboring city of Philadelphia alone. And in this coming week, our country will mark one year since an insurrection at the U.S. Capitol building, mourning the lives that were lost, the trauma that lingers, and a severely frayed trust in the fundamental bindings of our society. From the personal to the societal to the global, our lives are unpredictable in ways that we here in this place are certainly not used to. We are separated, hunched into bunkers of our own anger and frustration, yearning in this new year to see a change, but so worn and weary that we dare not look but a few days ahead. Hope and dream but still, dear child of God, what do you dream about in your loveliest of dreams? It is precisely into this isolation that companionship has come. It is into this violence that peace has come. It is into this despair that hope has come. From the heart of God came the word Jesus Christ to draw us near again, matching our heartbeats to God's own and to one another. In that first winter of pandemic that feels so long ago now, a man living in the Rogers Ford neighborhood in Baltimore texted his neighbor a message one evening to look outside. Taking a break from the movie she was watching with her daughter, the woman looked as requested and saw a single strand of lights stretching from her neighbor's home across the street to her own. The man knew that his neighbor was struggling, anxiety and depression, work stress and grief. He and his family could relate as well. In stretching those lights across the street, he acted to remind his neighbors that they were connected, even in this pandemic isolation. Of course, it did not take long for this one act to inspire others on the street. Within that week, neighbors climbed ladders with their drills and stretched lights across the street from one end to the other, all the way down, all eager to build upon this sign of beauty and joy and connection. 
The term chosen family is a popular one among friends of mine. Those people who aren't related to you by blood, by marriage or adoption or any other formal means, just those folks in your life that help you to know more fully the beauty, the joy, the connection of abundant life. In the church, dear children of God, we are a chosen family, connected to one another because we all hold on to that hope in the utterly wild profession of faith that God put on flesh and met us here, held our hands, washed our feet, healed our diseases, challenged us when we were too big for our britches, turned the other cheek when we were so mad we could spit. And our family extends, just as did the reach of that star that summoned the Magi across the then known world, from Cape Town to Chester, Managua to Manila, Jerusalem to Jaipur, Tehran to Toulouse, even when we have different ways of talking about it. God has dreams for us all. The incarnation of God among us, the embodiment and fleshly witness to God's dreams and that of our own is ours to do with what we will. We can hesitate to grasp it, fear in hoping it, cast it aside as too tainted by human sin. Surely our lives, as faithfully as we lead them, will never be that as Christ's, that of Christ's life among us, even as remarkable as one's as Archbishop Tutu's. But that is not the point in all of this, children of God. The choice we make to receive and to celebrate, to testify to this witness of God's unfailing commitment to renew this world, this family, if we choose it, is a gift, a gift that can reignite our imagining and shape our action for beauty, for joy and for connection, for reconciliation, for healing, and surely for justice. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the sermon recorded for January 2nd, 2022, titled Chosen Family by Reverend Sarah Cooper Searight. We'll see you soon and may the peace of Christ be with you.